Father, I know there's something holy, sacred about scriptures being taught especially when you Holy Spirit illuminate them to the individual heart of every person here please do that today in a special way may my words be as the pen of the ready writer inscribe these things upon our heart thank you for your dear presence amen I do have a handout honey so preemptively not yet but just so you're ready when I call for it thanks What is your number one question about prayer? Could I just, we don't need to take a mic to everybody, but we don't need to. Just holler it out. What's your number one question about prayer? Anybody? Hello? <laughs> Can you hear me? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> Who else? What's your number one question about prayer? Why don't they get answered? Yes. Oh, I know. Some of you, yeah, you always have your prayers answered, but there are some of the rest of us that we've struggled with that, you know. What else? What's your number one question when you think about prayer? Yeah, you know, that makes me think of Jim Carrey in that movie where he became God. You know, for God Almighty, he became God for a little while and all the prayers started coming through. And he was trying to, oh, wow. That's so funny. Anybody else? Yeah. Am I doing it right? Why should I pray if my prayers won't be answered? Mm. So I really don't, yeah. Do I really need to be asking God for this? I mean, there's people that have so so much greater need than this. This sort of seems frivolous. It's hard to have faith or ask God sincerely considering the great need that people have. These are really good questions. I'm glad we're recording it because I'm going to go back through and I'm going to list them all. And I can promise you during this series we will touch on every one of those subjects, every one of those questions. Our text is found in Matthew's Gospel. It's chapter 5, chapter 6, excuse me, verses 6 through 8. Let's look at it together. Oh, Ralph asked a question. I'm sorry. R Ralph says, if uh, uh, Ralph is, or some of you may not know or have been introduced yet to Ralph. Ralph is a regular member here, and he's from Switzerland. And so he's on the live stream faithfully every week. And he participates a lot with questions and comments and so forth. If God and I are one, 
why do I have to voice things? Wow. I mean, like, I don't know. That might be number one for me. And I know Nina recently, a couple weeks ago, which sort of led us to a commitment here to teach on prayer. And I'm actually going to ask Ralph, I have already have, to come into this series and do a teaching. We'll bring him in via Zoom. You'll see him in person via Zoom. And uh, he's going to do one of the courses, one of the classes, okay? So Jesus said, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Okay, bring the scripture down. Being raised as a Southern Baptist, very legalistic, going to a Christian Bible college that was extremely legalistic and King James Bible and every word in the Bible is, you know, true, valid, and uh, authoritative and without, I'm searching for words, without question, yeah, veracity and truth, every word, even the position in a sentence. <laughs> so when I was a lot younger, if nobody was around, I'd go into my bedroom closet and close the door. I had to move some clothes and some tennis shoes. I set up a little box in there because I took this literally. Go into your closet, go into your room, into the closet, shut the door and pray. It didn't help. <laughs> I mean, whatever turns you on, but I'm just telling you, I'm, wondering, I'm not sure that's what Jesus meant. It was cramped, too. It was very uncomfortable. So then I got gu under guilt that I wasn't able to stay in prayer long enough. <laughs> All right, we can put that scripture back up. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. In other words, this sense of having to achieve God's blessings. I have to do something to achieve or to warrant God's blessings. For they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This word secret in the Greek is the word for privacy or storage room. It's not talking about your physical closet. It's talking about your inner self, your inner thought life, your inner spirit, where you grow contemplative and get, just get alone with him. As hard as it might be, you might be on the job site. You could be driving your car. If you get skilled at it, it doesn't mean close your eyes and lift your hands, take them <laughs> off the wheel. Lord, help me, Jesus. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Jesus, take the wheel. And long before that was drop, kick me, Jesus, over the goalposts of life. But so he's talking about that inner sanctuary. And he says, look, I'm there. I'm in you. I'm there in that place where you pull away 
and you begin to chat with me. And he says, I'm going to reward you. Now, this is not a system of rewards for obedience. That's not at all what he's talking about. Watch this. The word for reward means to deliver, to give back, to restore what was yours in the first place. That's what I'm talking about. That's what prayer really becomes. It becomes an unveiling in that private place where I begin to understand what's already mine. It'll change the way you pray. See, your Father knows what you need. So prayer is about a relationship, not religion. It isn't about obedience. It's, not the, it's about the Father's love for us. It is not transactional. Everybody, come on, repeat that. It is not transactional. One more time, because you're still learning that word, transactional. That's probably the longest, biggest word you've said in years. Ready? One, two, three. It's not transactional. It's with your Father. And you know, even our mindset about who God is and what He's like, what's His character, gets in the way of this. The religious mind thinks of God as unique, sovereign, almighty, unchanging, fierce, a warrior, a judge. You shouldn't view God really as any of those things before you first and foremost view Him as Father. Now, it says He'll reward you. So it's, it's biblical to trust God for an answer. There's nothing wrong with that. How many times have you said something like this? If God wants to, if he's willing, God is not a reluctant giver. All right? He's not holding out on you. You do not have to convince God. So Jesus says that in the type of prayer that we should be praying, God already knows. So my question is, why ask? <laughs> if he's all-knowing and he knows what I'm about to ask, why ask? Thank you very much. Well, number one, you're not reading my outline, good. Can I borrow your water? Yeah, thanks. Sorry, hon. Um, number one, partnership. You and I have a partnership with God. Now, if we're going to understand our partnership, we have to understand another word. Determinism. Religious determinism. This is the belief that all events, including moral choices, are predestined or predetermined by God's sovereign will. In determinism, it is held back, excuse me, it is held that God's omniscience and omnipotence entail that God knows and controls everything that happens in the universe, including human actions from the beginning of time. This is particularly popular in Calvinist theology. And Calvinists and people who believe this religious notion of determinism 
Combine it with the doctrine of predestination. You were predestined. Everything in your life is predestined. Even your decisions are predestined. Even wrong things you do were predestined, controlled. I submit to you that that is not God's way. This belief of determinism also says that God has foreordained events and outcomes of those events, including who will be saved and who won't, based on his will alone, not any merit or action of the individual. Now, you've heard me teach relative to salvation and who's in, who's out. That was last week, in fact. So we won't go there. But I do want to bring up another word. And I know these are either long or a little difficult. They're not common to our, our language daily. Th open theism. Open theism is a theological perspective within Christianity that emphasizes the dynamic and relational nature of God's relationship with his creation, particularly with human beings. It proposes that God, while omniscient, does not know the future exhaustively in terms of the free will choices of human beings. According to open theism, the future is not entirely settled or predetermined, which means that God has perfect knowledge of everything that has happened and is happening, but that the future is open to possibilities. I love this view. One of my favorite authors, Greg Boyd, a theologian, pastor, author, is a proponent of this among many, many others. I particularly like oh, the thought of open theism because of how it helps define prayer so beautifully. If our primary question, I've heard it from more than one, why pray? He already knows. Why pray? What difference is it going to make? Why pray if he's already determined the outcome? Why pray? Open theism says because you're partnering with God in the outcome. That's why we pray. Pastor Jeff, you mean God doesn't control everything in his omniscience? past, present, and future? No, he doesn't. He knows everything past and present. And with you, though he knows the possibilities, every possibility, he wants us to pray into those possibilities and see them come to pass. Now, there's lots of scriptures that deal with this. We'll bring them out in this series. You see, prayer changes things, and things change me. God leaves things open to me, partnering with him to see heaven brought to earth. So it truly is about relationship. That's the key that unlocks prayer. It's called perichoresis is the Greek word. That's the word for triune God, perichoresis. The human race and the cosmos are not separated, but they're bound together in a relationship with Father. Nothing you can do will ever take you out of his presence. 
everything about prayer begins with an awareness of Christ and his incarnation and our oneness with Jesus. See, see how this strikes you, all right? Everybody, look at the screen. Prayer is more about formation than acquisition. How's that hit you? Have you ever thought about that? If it's a reward which is returning to me what's already mine, and I do it in secret, and I'm partnering with God, then really it's not about me trying to get. It's about me praying into the outcomes, especially for other people. When you pray for other people in other situations, which we're going to do towards the close of our time today. So here's one of the exceptions I have. So many of our songs that we sing and the sermons that we preach couch the subject of prayer in desperation, crying for help. I don't think that's what these songs did. I think they were a very positive expression of God, I'm trusting you. And that's good. But we do not sit in a place of defeat and shame and guilt, just crying and begging God, Lord, if you can, come through in this situation. That's not prayer. You go into that secret place and he's going to return to you things that are already yours. And then that joy fills your heart and you start praying into the outcome of other people's lives and nations and armies. Jesus is our example. Just ask yourself something. If everything is predetermined and settled in its outcome by God, why did Jesus pray? He prayed three times on the cross alone. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Notice, Jesus gave his life, by the way. He had a choice to go to the cross. It wasn't predetermined. He could have backed out. I'll put it that way. How about Jesus' prayer before raising Lazarus from the dead? Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you always hear me. So I, I, I've been in that secret place. We've already dealt with this, okay? But for their sake, he says, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here that they might believe that you sent me, see? He, he was perfected in that secret place of prayer. He, he knew that oneness with Father. He knew how to pray. So much of what he did and prayed and expressed out loud was for the benefit of others listening to him. That's kind of the place of prayer when we move into it. It's not for us to get or acquire. It's for us to partner with God. Would you turn to somebody and just say, you're a partner with God. Now turn to somebody else and say it. Here's Jesus' prayer after entering Jerusalem. Now my soul is troubled. It is not wrong for you to admit your emotions. And what should I say, Father? Save me from this hour? No, it is for this reason that I've come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice from heaven came. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. 
Here's his discipline in prayer. Daily, he had a discipline of just going into that quiet place. Luke 5.16, meanwhile, he would slip away to deserted places and pray. He would slip away to deserted places, plural. He did this regularly. Luke chapter 6, now during those days, he went out to the mountain to pray, and he spent the whole night in prayer. I wonder what he was praying about. Since he already had everything, since he, since he knew how to partner with God already, I wonder if he was praying for you. I wonder if he was praying that you would be here this morning listening to this message. And he knew you would. And so, see, the reason I prayed this morning about the Holy Spirit and being the pen of the ready writer and all that is because I knew that I could partner with God that right now during this message, you sitting in that seat, watching by live stream, and those who will review or watch the recording later, that the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart right now. I always feel good when people cry during the music. I love that. I'm right there with you. I'd just be bawling and on my knees if I didn't have to come up here and preach. I'm so touched by those kind of songs. Prayer is never about acquisition but it's a partnership to bring heaven to earth. Here's a prayer that Beth Moore prayed recently. I think it hit social media, especially after the Ukraine war with, with uh, Russia started up. Listen to these words. Jesus, be near the frightened the suffering, the fleeing, the hiding, the shivering, the aching, the bleeding, and the dying on this globe tonight. Send word of your mercy reaching them as we pray for your outstretched arm to save. Rush to aid. Be swift to shield. Be made known, Jesus. Come. Just the holiness there. That's the way we've prayed for Vicky and Brad, who just lost their Vicky's mom in a house fire two weeks ago. She couldn't get out of the bedroom. Started from a bedroom, the bedroom next to it, electrical, short, spread to her bedroom. She was caught in the fire, trapped in her bedroom, couldn't get out, and died. Otherwise healthy lady. She's a member here at St. John's. So we've been grieving. Jesus, be near Brad and Vicky. The suffering, shivering, aching, bleeding, dying on this globe tonight. Send word of your mercy. Hold them close. <laughs> now, Saint Isaac so we're going back to the first couple hundred years after Jesus walked the, the planet Saint Isaac wrote three prayers as a Lenten prayer you know we're in, in the season of Lent and for liturgical churches they're right now practicing prayers and 
various elements of worship in their service for Lent. St. Isaac wrote these three prayers. I'm going to hand them out to you right now. And then I want us to pray them. Jeff will have them on the screen as well for our live stream audience. And I'm going to ask if we could just all read them together, all right? On the count of three, we'll just start reading. Let's start with that first one, the Lenten path. We'll go over to the bottom left and then to the right, all right? Here we go. One, two, let's read. Let yourself be persecuted, but do not persecute others. Let yourself be crucified, but do not crucify others. Let yourself be insulted, but do not insult others. Let yourself be slandered, but do not slander others. Rejoice with those who rejoice, and weep with those who weep. Such is the sign of purity. Suffer with the sick. Be afflicted with sinners. Exalt with those who repent. Be the friend of all, but in your spirit remain alone. Ooh, ooh, watch. Did you get that? Did you, hear, did you hear the words of Jesus in Matthew 6? But in your spirit, you go ahead and stay in that, that inner room. Next. Spread your cloak over anyone who falls into sin and shield him. And if you cannot take his fault on yourself and accept punishment in his place, do not destroy his character. What would happen if political powers and personalities followed this prayer? What kind of change could we have in our country? And you know, since God deals with us in that inner room, you know, just because you don't holler out or flip somebody off you know, going down the street or say it. You know, Jesus told us that the, our thought life is where so much of this is lived, right? We're, we're responsible for the things we're still thinking towards somebody. He, 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 he said, if you hate somebody, you're, you're a murderer. <laughs> Even though you don't drive the knife in. If you're thinking it, you hate them. See? Oh, I love this prayer. Isn't this good? Thank you, Lord.